Thanks for tuning in to the Sandals Church podcast. Our vision as a church is to be real with ourselves, God, and others. We're glad you're here and we hope you enjoy this message. Hi guys, Merry Christmas, man. I'm so glad you guys are here. We're in a series called A Different Christmas. We're in the book of Ephesians and man, I just love this series and I just wanna say thank you as a church. Uh, last week, I was so nervous when I preached about the word submission, and our church has been so supportive, so encouraging, and I gotta just give a shout out to the women in our church. I got more positive feedback from you, and you were the ones that made me the most nervous. So uh, thank you so much for just trusting me as I try to figure out how on earth do I guide us as a church through these difficult passages. So today, I wanna talk about something different. And, and, and some of us, we, we all know this, but we forget this. But Christmas is ultimately all about one kid, and his name is Jesus. And one of the things that our society is deeply lacking is an appreciation for the unborn, specifically babies, right? We don't think about this, but Jesus was an unwanted, unexpected child. He was not a planned pregnancy, but he was God's plan. And many of us forget that, man, man, children are all a part of God's plan. And one of my favorite moments in the Christmas story is when Mary just sits back and she ponders all that people say what this child will be. And I just wanna say this, every single one of the children in our church, they are unlimited potential. We have no idea what God is going to do through them. And we need to see them as a gift, every single child. And many of us as Christians miss the gift of children. We don't see them of that. You're like, well, pastor, that's because my children are different. Amen. We, uh, we're wrestling right now. Uh, not sure that this kid's going to be on the, on the good list, right? Uh, as Christmas approaches. So I just want to say this, man, I'm here for you. We're here for you, but we're going to look at some tough scriptures today and we're going to unpack them. I have nine points, nine points. So I hope you enjoy the next three hours. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to unpack this together. So let's look at Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. You're like, I like this sermon already, right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I want you to put that word away because a lot of times in our culture, people don't know what's right anymore. They don't know what's wrong anymore. And that's why we need the word of God because he tells us this is right. He says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you, amen? Listen to this, that you may enjoy a long life on earth. God wants to bless your kids, but it starts with them honoring you. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. So the Apostle Paul is dealing with families, marriages, workplace, all of this, and he's saying, look, we've got to be different. So let's talk about children. And I wanna start off with our younger audience. And we just need to be real. Making children is fun, amen? It's fun. Don't be, don't be uncomfortable, like, I don't know. This is, look, God invented sex. It wasn't your idea. You didn't accidentally discover it. God invented this. And God is good, amen, guys? God is good. He could have been cruel. He could have, guys, made us like praying mantises, okay? We mate one time. Then she eats us. That, that could have happened. You know, it would have been the best day of your life and then the worst. But God didn't do that for you. God gave you the blessing. And listen to me. 
Sex is a unique way that God brings us together, and it's something that's important in the context of marriage. And so if you're having sex outside of the context of marriage, it will not bring a blessing in your life, but it can bring a burden that you're not ready for. So understand this, that, that sex is, is fun, and you need to understand that. And oftentimes, things that are fun get out of control in our lives. And so every religion that's real, okay, not your made up pretend religion, and I, I hear these all the time, you know, online and on TikTok, you know, I just follow my heart. That's a made up religion that you've made it up, listen to me, to excuse your desires. All real religions, whether Judaism, Islam, even Buddhism, confronts our sensual and sexual natures and says this is a problem and it must be restricted. The modern religion of the day says do whatever you want. Be with whoever you want, be whatever you want, see yourself however you want, and that is an extraordinary danger, and we need to all be aware of this. So Paul talks about sex, and we talked about this last week, but we didn't identify it as sex. In Ephesians 5.31, the apostle Paul says this, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, okay? To be united with his wife, the primary motivation of men in marriage, did you see it? To be united <laughs> with his wife, amen. That's, okay, that's a driving force for men. And it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. And the two will become what? One flesh. So I want you to write this down. Take a mental note. Sex is a gift from God. Okay, the porn industry didn't invent it. They twisted it. God invented it. Sex is a gift from God. Listen to me. Children are a gift from sex. When you do it God's way, you get to celebrate this gift. When you do it your way, you fall into all kinds of other sinful situations and you try to cover up your sin. And here's the thing that we need to understand from scripture. You never fix sin with sin. It never makes it better. And we need to make sure that we don't have a shame-based culture because people make mistakes and children are never a mistake. You may not have planned for them, but God did. God knew that they were coming. The Bible says that Jesus was planned before the foundation of the world, before Mary was ever born born, Jesus was already coming. And we need to understand that and just see that children are a blessing from God. So making kids is fun, amen? They, in here, they're like, oh, I don't know, I can't amen that. <laughs> Listen to me, young people, raising children is a challenge. So the making part, fun. The raising part, not so fun. It's challenging. And I know it starts out fun, they're cute, they're quiet, they sleep most of the time, that is going away. <laughs> that is going away soon. So we need to learn to parent. And, and I wish that someone would have just sat down with me and said, hey, here's how you ought to do this because I had never held an infant until I held my first infant. That's not, guys, that's not a good thing. Here's what I would say to you. If you're young, volunteer in babies. Start holding them, start caring for them because one day you're going to be handed one and if it's the first time you've ever done that, you're gonna be way behind what you need to know. So volunteer in kids' ministry, get with the little ones. You know, it's not that challenging. You know, a one-year-old's not gonna ask you a theological question, right? That they're not gonna do that. You don't have to know anything about Jesus. You just have to not drop them, amen? That's it, don't drop them. So zero to two, listen to me, especially young moms. Get off TikTok, stop watching Enneagram, the Enneagram, whoop, slip there. Instagram, Instagram, and, and, and listen, zero to two, it's all about creating rhythms. What rhythms? Rhythms that work for you, mom. You know what's the best for the baby? For you to be sleeping, for you to be eating. 
So many young moms, you're looking at everybody else. God hasn't called you to be them. You're not that kid's mom. You're your kid's mom. So you need to be sleeping. It's all about rhythms. When do you eat? When do you sleep? This child is a part of your family. You're not a part of this kid's family. And a lot of people get this messed up. And as soon as you're a part of your kid's family, that kid is a terrible parent. <laughs> terrible. And they will ruin your life. Man, I look at some of the parents in our church, you know, they're like, they got a two-year-old. The two-year-old's running them. I'm like, you're bigger than them. Dominate. Dominate. Well, I don't believe in spanking. Fine, hold them down. <laughs> I'm not saying you have to strike the child, but can you please restrain them? Amen. And it doesn't have to be violent, just gentle but firm pressure <laughs> that communicates you're not getting up, maybe ever. Amen. So which brings us to our next point. So zero to two rhythms. What do we do? And let me tell you something. You break rhythms, they will break you. Kids love patterns. And listen to me, parents. What's the first thing God does in Genesis 1? He creates a rhythm on the first day, on the second day, on the third day. And on the seventh day, what are you to do? Rest, just like he did. The very first thing God does when he creates his children is he creates rhythms. Rhythms that revolve around him. When many parents create rhythms that revolve around their child, that's a dangerous way to raise a kid. Ages two to four, it's all about creating kindness. Anybody raising a biter? Okay, we've had biters in our family. I sat down, our three-year-old, I said, look, I'm trying to grow a church. When you bite children in the nursery, the parents don't wanna come back. Ultimately, this will affect my salary, which will affect your ability to live. Stop <laughs> biting children, you know? Isn't that horrible when it's the pastor's kid that's like, ah, you know? Two to four. Listen to me, parents. You love your kid, the world doesn't. Challenge them to be nice. There's this uh, explosion on the internet, man, this thing's gone viral, and it's this English kid. I don't know why English kids are so nasty, um, but this English kid, his dad's saying, hey, you're on the naughty list, and this kid's saying, I am not. I am not on the naughty list. He said, who said that? He said, St. Nicholas said that. He said, you bring me Santa, and I'll punch him in the face. <laughs> yeah. You know what your job is? To help redirect that child physically. Okay, when your kid wants to punch Santa in the face, that needs to wake you up that you are raising a little devil. <laughs> and so many parents, listen to me, you love your kid, the world won't. And here's what happens. If you don't teach your kids how to be kind, they won't make friends at school, they'll be isolated, they'll be all alone, and they're gonna have a very difficult life. Because so much of life is not how smart they are, it's can you get along with people? Can you get along with people? because I don't care how smart you are. If you're a jerk, I don't wanna work with you. Now, for those of you kids under four, you have no idea how close to hell you are, I'm praying for you. <laughs> five to 12, glorious years, amen? Five, to, I mean, listen to me, five to 12, dads, you're cool. Like, you're the greatest thing on earth. Uh, you know, there was only, when my kids were little, there was only one man greater than me, Matt Albee, because he's six foot seven, body of a Greek god. And my kids would always compare everything to him. Dad, is he bigger than Matt Albee? I'm like, yes, he's bigger <laughs> than Matt Albee. But, but when, you're, when your kids are in the elementary years, you're their hero. They listen to you, they love you, they kind of have friends, but really you're their friend. And that's gonna go away at this magical year called 13, that's why it's an unlucky year, right? <laughs> yeah, it's coming to a theater near you. So five to 12, 
It's magical years, glorious years, and it's all about instruction, okay? You've got to teach them what's right. And I hear parents all the time, well, I'm not gonna force religion on my kids. Look, God doesn't want you to force anything on your kids, but he does want you to teach them about right and wrong. He does want you to teach them about good and evil, and he does want you to teach them about him. Because here's the thing, the world is not so kind. They will force their religious views on them. And that's why we have all these young people that are just whacked out in their thinking because they go to college and the college does not, and now even high school, and in some cases junior high, and unfortunately even in our elementary schools now, they're being indoctrinated into this religion and it is religious. And it's forcing their views on our kids. And so we need to do that as parents and as a church. And then in 13 to 18 year olds, okay, hang on, it's a tough time, it's a wild ride. There's gonna be some ups, some downs, there's gonna be some moments where you can't make it, they won't think they can make it, but God willing, you'll all make it, amen? It's, it's some tough times. I laugh now, cried then. So I'm praying for you if you're going through that. But 13 to 18 is all about redirection. Redirection from feelings to what is good, right, and true. If you didn't teach them what's good, right, and true, from five to 12, you're in trouble. You gotta redirect them. Because teenagers are about their feelings. How am I feeling? What's going on, right? They're processing emotions they've never had before. Your job is to redirect them and hopefully model for them, that'd be awesome, as parents, how to not choose your feelings, but to choose what is good, what is right, and what is true. 18 to 25 years old, it's all about blessing, okay? It's all about blessing. If you didn't put it in by now, it's not in there. You need to bless them, listen to me, as they work towards what's good, right, and true. Here's what I tell my kids all the time. You can do whatever you want. Your mom and I don't bless sin. We don't bless sin. So you wanna go your own way? You, you Feel free. And it's amazing, right? Kids are like, I, I can't wait to do everything I wanna do. I was like, feel free. Let's see how far your budget takes you, you know? Because the answer is to the mailbox, and then you're gonna come right back. One of my favorite fights was one of our daughters when she was telling us with passion that she pays for most of her bills. I was like, great, let's write them down. Let's, I'm just curious to see, because I, I could be wrong. There's a chance I could be wrong. Let's start writing down. Let's start with the mortgage, okay. <laughs> let's start with your school bill, your medical insurance. How are we doing? Oh, you pay for an occasional coffee. Got it. <laughs> Got it, right? Okay, okay, we're, we're moving, we're moving. So they want freedom, they want freedom. Parents, listen to me, you're sinning if you're partnering with them and doing something that's foolish. The gift, this is how God parents, the prodigal son, he lets his stupid son go. He doesn't chase him, he waits for him to come back. Now I'm not saying you should just, wow, you're 18, that's not what I'm saying. Talk to your kid, remind them, counsel them, but ultimately, you have very little control when they're 18. And they're gonna have to learn their own mistakes. 26 plus. If you're 26 years and older, the brain you have is the brain you have, okay? It's not getting any better. <laughs> yeah, if you're not 26, there's still hope, amen? Parents, there's still hope. 26, that brain is fully developed, and you are what you are. So you gotta start dealing with your habits. You can't, you can't wait for your brain. But 26 and above, it's all about celebrating them as they learn to stand on their own. It breaks my heart when I see 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds dependent upon their parents, okay? You've got to challenge your kids to grow up. I know it's hard, parents, but God wants them to leave. For this reason, a man will what? Leave. 
doesn't say stay with his mom and dad. He will leave and be joined to his mother, excuse me, to his wife and to, you know, his, his family, not your family. He's gotta grow up and grow out. And I say that not because I'm not picking on women, but women do a much better job in our society of growing up. We have a bunch of men that are still boys. And we gotta train our men to wanna grow up and leave and have their own households. Okay, so as Christians, here's the good news. We don't have to parent alone. You're not in this by yourself. Man, God loves you, God cares for you. Number three, God reinforces parental authority. So our government doesn't understand parental authority, right? They constantly intervene, they constantly cut you off, they think they know better. I, a couple of years ago, I got really frustrated. My daughter was really sick and she had gone to the hospital, right, you know, by herself. And, and you know, it's intimidating to talk to the doctor. And, and I got frustrated, so I went in with my 20-year-old and I sat in there. You know they sent a social worker in? because they thought I was abusing my daughter. I said, let me tell you what's being abused, the money I'm paying for her and you're not doing what I'm asking you to do. They asked me to step outside and they counseled Madison. Like, are you feeling okay? Is he abusive? Is he dangerous? She's like, sometimes. <laughs> That's not what she said. But look, our daughter wasn't okay. Turns out she's just allergic to corn. But I had to go in there and go Rambo, amen dads? to get a test to find out that was what the problem was. Because they kept telling me, she's fine. I go, I know my daughter, she's not fine. Something's wrong. And so I had, I had to get in there. And so here's the thing is, you're not alone in this. You, got, you have God that's saying, listen, you have authority. So Kaiser Permanente may have been uncomfortable with me in the room. God said, I get to be in the room. And I told Madison, I said, I'm not here to, to intimidate you. I'm here to intimidate them. Them. My wife does the same thing, man. She's a strong woman. We go to the doctor, she's like, you tell him. I'm like, what? <laughs> and so I do, I go. I said, no, this is what we wanna do. Because you're paying the insurance. You're the customer. You get to say what you want. You get to say the tests you want. And it's an insurance company. Oftentimes they deny you the first time. So you have to stand there and say, no, this is what we're gonna do. And it works, it works. Okay, you're not alone, parents. God has given you authority. Children, obey your parents, listen, it's in the Lord. You see, the Christian family all goes back to Jesus, right? Marriage, where does our submission go to ultimately? To Jesus. Parents, where does your authority ultimately come from? Jesus. Not from the government, not from the educational school system, not from the doctors or the hospitals, it comes from God. God has given you authority. And that's because parenting is hard and you love your kids so much. And here's the truth. If you're critical of your parents, you need to know this. They don't know what they're doing. They're learning. That's like our oldest daughter, Madison. I just say, sorry, you were our practice. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. She's the first baby I ever held. She's the first toddler I ever watched. She's the first kid I ever dropped off at school. She's the first teenager I ever had. She's the first person I ever taught to drive. Boy, that was fun. Yeah, we get to laugh at dad and how he lost his mind. You wait until you teach your kid to drive. It's gonna be wonderfully exasperating. We'll get to that in a second. Okay, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you. God blesses children when they honor you as mom and dad. What that means is when they don't honor you, God is not blessing them. And you need to challenge them with this. 
that you may enjoy a long life on earth. I used to tell our kids, man, look, it's your mom and I, we can make more kids and it's fun. Go back to point number one, you know, just saying. Number four, God strengthens parents through his church community. I want you to know that the book of Ephesians is not a letter to parents, it's a letter to a church family. Some of you, God bless you, you just watch. God doesn't want church to be something that you watch. He wants it to be a community that you join. And here's the thing is, here's what I love about our church, is there are people in our church that have more experience than me, more knowledge than me, more wisdom than me, and they are willing to come alongside and help me when my kids have questions. We've been trying to help our son kind of navigate some big decisions. Now, he's almost 20 years old. So what that means is, largely his decisions are up to him. Technically, he's an adult. He can do what he wants. And here's the thing that gave me great peace. We had church members in our church take him out to dinner. Sat down with him, talked with him. And you see, what did they talk with him about? Here's the answer, I don't know. You wanna know why? I trust them implicitly. I know whatever they said to him, it was because they love God, they love our church, they love Tammy and me, and they love our son. Do you have those kind of people in your life? And you can't microwave that. That comes over time. One of the men in our church that disciples my son is Claude Hickman. How much is that worth? Claude is one of the wisest, purest men I know. Pouring into my son freely. Man, that's what God wants for you. Let me tell you something, parents, one of the hardest things you'll face is when, when you have to stand alone because all of your kids' friends' parents are idiots. This is what parents do, it drives me crazy. Well, if everyone else is doing it, okay. No, no, I don't care. I was, I, I was the one, I'll always die first. And you know parents would call me like chickens, thank you so much for making a stand, because they were afraid to. Look, I don't care if everyone's kid is doing it. My kid's not doing it if it's not safe, if it's not smart, if it's not wise, if I don't have a sense of peace about it, you know? And I can handle their tears. I'll sleep just fine, you know? <laughs> Feel free to stay up all night. Seriously, I love my kids. Listen to me, I'm not my kid's friends. I'm their parent. And my job is to not destroy their life. And it's amazing to me how many parents today just wanna be friends. You're not, your job is not to be their friend. Your job is to be the parent, to be the mature one, to do the right thing. And that me, you know what that means? You're not always liked. One time, uh, our daughter was 13 and we were going through a tough time and she was really frustrated with me. And some of you heard me say this story. I said, I said, Madison, I'll love you no matter what. And she said, but what if I don't love you? She's 13. That happens, <laughs> you know? And she feels so bad every time I tell this story. She's a wonderful daughter. She's amazing, I love her. She's turned into a wonderful woman of God. But at 13, not so much. <laughs> I said, no matter what you do, I'll love you. She said, but what if I don't love you? And it hurt, it hurt. And I heard from God and I said, Madison, my love for you is not dependent upon your love for me. I closed the door and I cried because it hurt. And then I heard God say, and now you know how I love you, Matt. You see, God's love for you is not dependent 
upon your love for him. And think about that. So you need, you need a church family to come alongside. And here's the thing is, we're outgunned, we're outnumbered, and we're underheard. We don't have the voice that culture has. The things you teach, the things that are good, right, and true are shamed in our world today. Your kids will be made fun of and put down and isolated. They'll be called all kinds of names, bigoted, homophobic, you name it, simply because they have a moral compass that's different than the world around them. You need to bring in reinforcements. The devil loves to see a family that stands alone. God wants to put an army together called the church. And the beautiful thing about Sandals is we're not one, one church in one place. We're one church in 14 places. And we have people all over this state. Now we have people all over this country. Now we have people all over this world that are working together to protect the kids that we're trying to raise, okay? And that means something. It means something. And, and unfortunately, that's the way the world works. When I go in to talk to a politician, listen to me, they know who I am because they know who you are. And that matters. Even if they don't agree, that matters to politicians. And our voice is heard because we stand together as a church. So as Sandals Church family, we're a family. Some are like, well, I don't have any kids. I'm not planning on having kids. You have kids if you're a member of the church. Every single one of you. You say, well, I raised my kids. No, 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 there's still kids in this church. You see, we're not just called as a church to raise our own kids. We're called to raise his kids. So at Sandals Church, we are committed, listen to me, we are committed to seeing children as full members of the church. Some of you miss what Paul just did here. He spoke to children directly in the word of God. Some of you missed this. Ephesians 6.1, children. This verse is not to parents. This verse is not to singles in the church. It's to who? Children. So imagine 2,000 years ago, for the first time in your life, you are publicly addressed by anyone. 2,000 years ago, children were not seen as full human beings yet. Children were treated just like slaves. Did you know that? Until they came of age. They were not seen as full members of the family. They were kind of like JV kids. I mean, JV adults. <laughs> Ephesians 6.1, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Some of you miss what Paul is, is, is campaigning for and standing up for in Ephesians. Last week, we talked about the fact that women have rights. Women are full members of the family of God. Then he talks about slaves. Slaves have rights. These, these are your brothers. These are your sisters. And you miss what Paul is saying. You say, well, he didn't outright condemn slavery. When you say this is your brother and this is your sister, what are you saying? Can you own that which is equal to you? Paul's brilliant. He's brilliant. And now he's doing something even more radical. He's saying children have rights. They have rights. And not only do they have rights, they have commands. And not only do they have commandments, but if they're obedient to them, they can be blessed. And here's why you need to know this. Paul in Ephesians, in the previous chapter, he said, we're all children. Some of you missed this. Ephesians 5, 8, and 11, for you were once in darkness, but now you are in the light of the Lord. Listen to this, live as children of the light. The same word. For the full light 
for, excuse me, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. How are we to raise our children? In the same way we're to live. And find out what pleases the Lord. Man, you wanna know what's keeping you from growing in Christ? You haven't yet become a child. A child's not afraid to ask questions. A child's not afraid to be wrong. A child, man, a child will just keep, keep asking. What happens as we grow older, we pretend that we know. We pretend. We're all children, okay? As a Sandals Church family, we are committed to creating ways for children to connect with Jesus. Jesus said this, remember him? He's fairly important. He's the reason for the season, amen? Jesus said, let the little children come to me. This is radical. He says, do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. We have 14 different campuses, man. And some of these campuses that you now sit in, when we took over them, there was no safe place for children. We bought this one church, I kid you not, they put the kids in a dungeon. I'm like, you wanna know why your church is dying? Your children's ministry is a dungeon. Can you imagine? Come to our church. You'll learn about Jesus. We're gonna start our lesson off in a dungeon. And this is where you'll go, little child, if you don't repent of your sins. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. A dungeon. Some churches have holes in the floor. Man, I mean, they have electric, uh, you know, uh, sockets all over the place, electricity shooting out, lights that don't work. Man, they still got, you know, uh, vel you know all, all the, the, um, the stuff from the 70s all over the place. Oh my gosh, it's like, what is going on? We wanna create a safe place for our kids. You know, every single person at our church that works with kids is background checked. That's not free, but kids are worth it. And we do that. We do that. So we wanna create safe places for kids. We wanna create beautiful places. People always get upset. Well, I don't know why we gotta spend so much money. I want you to look at the earth that God placed you in. Did he go cheap? Is the earth dull? I mean, when's the last time you looked at a sunset and you're like, eh? <laughs> you ever go to the ocean? I could have done better. <laughs> Seen a redwood tree? Like I try to paint a redwood tree, God made one. He made one. It grows on its own. It's amazing. So when kids come to the church, they should see environments that reflect the creativity that God shows us when he creates a space for us. We wanna have age-appropriate places. I mean, last week I was talking about sex, you know, and I was just cracking up. I was super funny. And in the back of one of our services, I hear this kid belly laughing. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's like an eight-year-old listening to this message. <laughs> now, how sad is that that my humor connects directly to an eight-year-old, right? I mean, this kid can't stop laughing. He's like, and My wife's like, oh my gosh. But listen, we want to have age-appropriate classes for these kids. And some of you are like, well, I don't think you should, you should say that. Well, you brought your kid in here. That's not on me, that's your choice. And here's the thing is, I'm glad that kid was connecting. I'm not super excited about what he was connecting with, but, <laughs> but here's the thing, church should never be boring, ever. Like if you followed Jesus, it was scary, but never boring, amen? It was never, ever boring. You know what naked scary guy in a cemetery can we talk to today? Okay, that's Jesus. 
That's Jesus. There are storms everywhere, screamers everywhere, naked people everywhere, prostitutes washing his feet. That's like Tuesday. <laughs> it was never boring with Jesus. And sometimes I think in the name of holiness, we've just created this stuffy place and it's no wonder kids wanna get out of here. I mean, how amazing would that be if people came to the church instead of Disneyland for creativity, for imagination? I mean, God has given kids incredible imaginations, incredible wonder. I mean, some of the, some of the best theology I've had has come from kids who've stumped me with great questions. You know how embarrassing that is when a four-year-old stumps you theologically? <laughs> I don't know, little one. Thank you very much. But what did Jesus say? Let the children come unto me. And we need to do that. Parenting is so hard today. It was hard then. It's always been hard. But Jesus wants us to provide a place for kids to come to today. And we need to think about that. And so many of you as parents, listen to me, at Christmas, you wanna make memories with your kids, right? Look, our kids' spaces are designed to make moments for your kids to connect with Jesus. And here's the thing you need to know. When I got wonky in my early 20s, in my late teens, it was those moments with Jesus early on. It was those moments, those things I learned, those truths I believed, the instruction I received. And I knew when I was broken, I knew where to go to get healed. And let's just be honest, some of you right now, you haven't heard one thing I said past honor your father and mother because your deepest wounds come from your mother and father. Let me just say this. Remember, we're all children. This is why we all need to come to Jesus because he heals our wounds. Whether we're little or big, he sees the child that's broken in your heart and he wants to heal you. Jesus heals wounds, he saves souls. Listen to me, he directs lives. Parents, I love you. Sports is great. It will not save their soul. It will not heal their heart. You see, there's a lot of good things you can fill your kids' lives with but those good things are never a God thing. And you need to make a decision to raise your child up in the instruction of the Lord. Just calculate the amount of hours a week your kid plays a game versus the amount of hours a week you're allowing your kid to understand the game of life through God's eyes. And you wonder why 80% of our kids when they turn 18 never come back. Most of our kids come to church now once a month for one hour a month, that's their instruction. And you wonder why we're losing. We can't give the world 99% and God 1% and expect our kids to find the right path. You've got to create time for your kid to connect with God. Remember, step number one, what's the most important thing about parenting? Creating rhythms. One of the best things my parents ever did is we were in church, we were in church. And those were some of the best people I met. I know some of you have been hurt in church and I'm sorry, I didn't get hurt in the church, I got hurt in the world. And I knew where to come back. I knew where I was loved, I knew where I, was, I mattered, I knew where I would be cared for. This week I was talking to a woman in our church and she's just really wrestling. Because some of you are, were raised by parents who are still children 
They're still selfish. They still put themselves first. They've never grown up. They've never matured. And this woman was hurting so bad because here's what she wants. She wants her mother to be a mom. You know what moms do? They put their kids first. You know what her mom does? Her mom puts herself first constantly. Chooses herself, even as a senior citizen, over her children. I asked her, I said, how are you doing? She said, I heard from God today. Listen to this. She said, the Lord spoke to me and he said, you were not created to be your mother's daughter. You were created to be mine. Wow. You see, this is what kids need to learn. No matter how broken their mom and dad is on earth, their father in heaven is not broken. And he always loves. And here's the thing you need to know about God. He put you first. He always does. Even before his own son's life. And he's asking you to put him first. And I just thought, what a beautiful moment. Because listen, not only is this woman not just a daughter of the king, she's a princess. Guys, you're a prince. All things that God has, he wants to share with you. So as a Sandals Church family, we are committed to engaging with parents in the biblical teaching of children. Look, it's not my job to raise your kids. That's your job. It's my job to come alongside you and to help you. Ephesians 6, one through four, fathers do not exasperate your children. I know every parent's in here like, I'm not the one exasperating. <laughs> it would crack me up, man. We had so many parents experiment with homeschool during COVID. They're like, yeah, I'm gonna do it. And then like two weeks later, they're like, can't do it, can't do it. You can't teach the dead, you know? And I mean like good parents in our church, they were all in on YouTube, watching videos. I'm done, I'm done. Listen to what it says. It says, fathers do not exasperate your children, but bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Listen to me, one of the ways we do that is we let other people teach our kids. Here's one of the things that you're gonna find out. The older your kids get, the less they listen to you. You remember I said my son went out to dinner with that family? I'm guessing they told him everything I said. <laughs> but somehow, in some strange, do you guys know I'm a communicator? Like I communicate for a living. I inspire for a living. I point thousands of people to Jesus. <laughs> Not so much my kids. <laughs> You know, like I tell my kids what the Bible means, like, <laughs> what? It's not like you have a show. Yes, it's called the debrief. <laughs> but here's the thing is, you need to let others come alongside. I'm so thankful for, for all our D group leaders in our youth ministry, that every single Wednesday, man, they come and they listen to our kids. They pray for our kids. They come alongside our kids. They point our kids to Jesus. Man, you need that. I'm thankful for our community group over the years. Our kids have seen us talk with God, wrestle with God, talk with others, be with others. Our kids have seen community. But let me say this, the church cannot raise your kid to be a Christian, only you can do that. We can only come alongside and support you as you raise your kids to be Christians. At Sandals Church, we are committed 
We're committed to giving financially to support the education of our kids at church. How many of you guys know raising kids is expensive? Okay, if your hand's not up, you don't have them yet, but they're expensive. They are super expensive. If you don't believe me, just go to Disneyland on Tuesday. Tell me how it goes, you know? I wanna know how that $27 turkey leg tastes. I wanna know, okay? It's, it's ridiculously expensive. Doing anything with your kids is expensive. Raising kids is expensive. So is teaching them about Jesus. Okay, one of the things that we spend money on is our classrooms and our space for these kids. It costs money. It's not free. And some of you, you know, we live in a culture where everybody wants everything and nobody wants to pay for anything. That's our culture. You know, we call them rights. Guess what right you have? You get the right to contribute. That's the right you have as a church member. But rights today is, I get it, I get it. Well, my question is, well, who pays for it? Like in the world, it's magic money, you know? There's this magic horn from heaven that just pours out gold. That's not the case in the church. And here's the thing is, somebody say, well, Sandals is a mega church. Here's the thing, smaller churches have better giving. Mega churches have smaller giving. You know why that is? People think because we have all these resources, oh, we must have a ton of money. Actually, smaller churches per capita have way more money. Because in a smaller church, you go, oh, well, there's like six people in here, so if I don't give, you know, and then you look at sandals, and you say, well, there's 30,000. Well, here's the problem. Most of us look around and we assume everyone else is giving. Look, we wanna, we wanna hire great teachers. We wanna provide great training. We wanna provide great camps for our kids. We wanna provide great resources for kids. One of the things that I never thought I would do as your pastor is sit in budget meetings. Boy, that's fun, you know? You don't know what I think hell is? It's a budget meeting, forever. <laughs> forever and you never have enough money but you just keep moving it around to think but here's one of the things that we have to decide is how much money do we set aside for each campus for their kid ministry for their youth ministry for their camp where do you think that money comes from it comes from our church members who give and I want to encourage you you say well I don't have any kids no but the Lord does and so we need to help raise his kids. It's one of the primary responsibilities of the church. You wanna know why the world's so crazy? We're not so good at raising kids. And we need to do that. Next, we wanna celebrate a Sandals Church. We're, we're committed to celebrating those who make kids their personal ministry. Man, I just, I just gotta tell you, if you wear a blue shirt, I love you. If you're a D group leader, I love you. You have no idea the impact and difference you make in the lives of people. And I love you. Paul closes the book of Ephesians by calling out a guy. His name is Tychicus, which sounds like, you know, he needs to go to the hospital. Um, but Tychicus, he says, the dear brother and faithful servant of the Lord. He said, he will tell you everything so that you may also know how I am and what I'm doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose. How did Paul send Tychicus? Through offerings, through giving. That's, that, that's the only reason the gospel spread is because faithful believers faithfully gave of what God had given them so that the gospel can go forward. Let me tell you something. You wanna kill Christianity in the next generation? Stop caring about kids. Stop praying about kids. Stop giving to kids' ministry. Man, we gotta do this as a church. Summer camp now, it's like a bazillion dollars, you know? Jeff, even like, you know, Jeff Bezos was like, what? You know, it's crazy. It's crazy. But we wanna send kids because my life was changed at camp. And I just wanna thank God for everybody in our church. And here's the thing, I especially wanna thank the men in our church. Anybody wonder why the Apostle Paul singled out men to be focused on instruction? Because oftentimes, guys, it's only the women that do it. 
Paul's, Paul's a genius. Fathers, be engaged in the instruction of your children. This week, we lost a dear saint in our church, Ed Frank. Um, Ed Frank served in our kids' ministry for 19 years. Ed Frank is a prayer warrior, a man of God, has changed literally, I don't know how many thousands of kids' lives. You know he went to summer camp 11 years in a row? But Ed Frank's job is done. So here's my question is, where's the next Ed Frank? Where are those guys that are gonna step up and say, you know what? Kids is my ministry. Kids are my mission. I'm gonna pour into them. Because you know who Ed Frank is? He's Artichikis. He's our beloved brother that served, that said, kids are gonna be my mission. And for so many of us, we've just overlooked them. We've overlooked them. Why is it that Disney understands the importance of kids, but the church forgets? We need to realize that. It's amazing what God could do in the lives of parents when we prioritize the life of kids, the lives of kids. I met a couple this week that's volunteering in kids' ministry. I said, what made you guys wanna volunteer? They pointed to their daughter. They said she wanted to serve. So we were sitting in the parking lot waiting for her to serve and then we got convicted. And so we joined with her. And now we got three volunteers because we had a sixth grade girl who said, I wanna teach kids about Jesus. And now we got her, her mom and her dad. Listen church, we need to make kids a priority. So many of you are upset with kids these days. Well, let's start raising them. Let's start teaching them. Let's start loving them. And let's make kids a priority at this church because they're a priority to Jesus, amen? Let's pray together, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for, for men like Ed Frank. We thank you for his life, his ministry, and his passion. God, I pray that you raise up hundreds and hundreds of people in this church, if not thousands, to make kids a priority, to make kids their ministry, to make kids their mission. God, I pray that when kids walk in this place, walk into any Sandals location, that they would say, I'm loved there, I'm cared for there, and I'm taught there about Jesus. Lord, help us to reach the next generation for Jesus, we pray in Christ's name, amen. Thank you so much for taking time to watch this content. It is my prayer and, and really my mission in life to help you further your relationship with God, building an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ and ultimately yourself, and I pray with other people around you. If this content is doing that, I wanna invite you to move from being someone who watches content to someone who becomes a partner with us in developing this content. And the primary way you can do that from where you are is to donate today. You can go to donate.sc. And here's, you know, if you're like me, I wonder, well, where does my money go? Well, here's the one thing I want you to know about us. We're not just an online platform. We actually have 14 physical campuses that are all across California that meet in, in just a myriad of different socioeconomic cities. Uh, and in some of these cities, there's somebody that's struggling, single moms, kids that can't afford to go to camp, uh, kids that can't have an opportunity to get a backpack or something like that for school. And your money helps us to meet those needs right where they are. So what I would encourage you to do today is just pray about and say, God, what do you want me to do? And whatever God says, that's what I would encourage you to do. Because the Bible says God loves a hilarious giver, somebody who wants to give, somebody who's encouraged to give. And that's my prayer for you. And so I just wanna thank you for praying. And for those who pray and feel led by God to give, I wanna thank you for giving. Because here's the thing, 
If there are no givers, there's no Sandals Church ministry. We, we can't do ministry without the generosity of the people who are blessed by this ministry. So I just wanna say thank you so much and God bless everybody who's furthering their authentic relationship with Jesus.